Uh, hey, you all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble, getting to sleep, trouble, staying asleep. Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that's here to put you to sleep. We do it's a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights and press play. I'm going to do the rest. Uh, what I'm going to do is try to create a safe place where you can set aside whatever's been keeping you awake, whether it's uh, thinking, feelings... Uh, something you're dealing with, uh, you know, yeah, physical sensations, noises inside, like your partner's breathing, or bird, you know, bird, no, whatever it is, you know, you work a second or third shift, uh, whatever's giving you awake, I'd like to take your mind off that. What I'm gonna do is create a safe place where you can set aside all that stuff, and the way I'm gonna do that is I'm gonna send my voice across the deep dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, uh, creaky dulcet tones, pointless meanders, uh, slow, I'll try to talk real slow and calm, and like, here's the structure of the show if you're new, we start with about five minutes of business so that we can keep the show going, then we do these intros, which are about 12 minutes, sometimes a little bit more, sometimes a little bit less, and they're kind of a... There's a show within a show. I usually try, I take about 10 or 12 minutes uh, to demonstrate my qualifications for putting you to sleep, uh, which are mostly ability to, uh, get, like, go on tangents and try to be calm and welcoming. I'm glad you're here. I, I usually say that at the end, but then I mean it. And then we'll have the story portion of the show or story recap portion, which would be tonight's show. And here's the, there, there's no rules on this podcast, but here's the things you need to know. You can listen to me. I should, I, hopefully I'm just engaging enough, uh, to compete for your attention from whatever's keeping you awake, uh, and just mild, like something close to humor and kindness, uh, to, to say, Hey, you're welcome to listen to me. Kind of, but, but you don't really have to listen to me. Kind of, I guess it's a, it's not really, it's, it's not really a paradox because it's not that hard to, you know, I have the worst time with paradoxes. Don't even get me started. Uh, but, but like, you, like, but, uh, like, you, you can listen to me in, until you stop listening. And at any point, you could let me just kind of, uh, my voice turn from a creaky dulcet to a warble or a warble or, you know, like, weebles, weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. But you, my, I, my, I can fall down you know, past your brain, you know, just bounce off your eardrums. Like, so so you don't have to do any active listening, clearly. But sometimes people, at first they do. They say, Scoots, it's like, when are you going to bring up Hydrox cookies? And I say, well, I'm thinking about, as soon as I said Paradox, I was thinking about it. And I'm trying to figure out what a Hydrox is, and then I'll get back to it. So that would be the active listening. Usually you just do that between, you know, minutes uh, four and, and, and 12 then you can, at any point, you're comfortable. You can move into passive listening, where you just kind of listen to me drone on. Maybe you're picking up some of the stuff I'm talking about. Maybe you're following me. Maybe you're waiting for me to get to Hydro. Could I spell Hydrox? Probably not. H-Y-D-R-O-X. Use it in a sentence. I'm not exactly sure what a Hydrox cookie is, but I'll try to figure it out. Um, so then you'll do some passive listening. And then with this podcast, we have a special kind of listening around here. I call it reflective listening, where your eardrums, they reflect my vocal, what are these called? Uh, sound waves. They just reflect them back. And then maybe your brain, 
brain kind of sit, your synapses say, eh, well, we, we don't really need to pass that information on to, to brain central. Kind of like the pitter patter of rain on a windshield or a window. Uh, that, cause that's re- kind of reflective listening, maybe. Okay. So hi, so I get distracted. Uh, that's what I said. I'm going to demonstrate. You don't need to listen. Also, you don't, you're not under any pressure to fall asleep. This episode will be about an hour. I'll be here to keep you company. Uh, so you can fall asleep at any point, but, but if you can't fall asleep, I'll be here too. I'll be giving them my all, all the way to the end. Uh, because I'm your boyfriend and I want to be here for you in the deep dark night. Cause I've been there in the deep dark night and the deep dark day. And I can relate to whatever it is that's keeping you awake. I might not be experiencing the same thing, but I can be there, uh, because I've been there. Uh, and the way I can be there is just a silly, goofy stories. Uh, so Hydrax, a Hydrax cookie. Now, if you're not in the, well, first off, if you're anywhere in the world, not exactly sure. I have that word in my brain, Hydrax. And I'm pretty sure I know what it is, but if you're, so if you're not, I, I don't know what, where, so I don't know if this is a, uh, a colloquial, what is that called? A colloquialism, like a local term or a USA term or if it's an international term. Also, I don't know what age, like I would guess the Hydrax was peaked at 1950, uh, but I'm not positive about that because I wasn't around in the 1950s. But I'm pretty sure Hydrax cookie is just a generic Oreo. It's a sandwich. I think it's a sandwich cookie. So maybe it is its own brand. Like talk about like a, like not a brand. And I, and I know again, please like, oh, how I love the, the, your name of your company. If you are a company and trademarked or whatever. Oh, how I love that product. But, but if I, you know, I'm not in the brand business. Uh, but if I was, I'd say, whew, that's a little cool. Like now, I, I guess you can't reinvent it. Um, especially you like, if you still have consumers that say, no, 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 I don't eat those Oreos. I have only Hydrax cookies. Okay. Just in case you don't know what a sandwich cookie is, it's a cookie. It's like two cookies with some something in the middle. And I know they're popular. I'm not a big, like, you've gone on cracker tirades before, and I don't want to go on an anti-corporate cookie tirade because I did this winter spend, meh, three or $400 on cookies at Trader Joe's. So I am also a hypocrite. Uh, but I just, like, I do, like a homemade cookie, the difference, anyway, let's not, let's not go down, you're right, let's not go down that road. So I guess uh, traditionally, like, uh, Oreos expanded its brand, but in the past it was like two chocolate cookies with some sort of cream in the center, and then you could get a double stuff, which was like double the cream. And then you have Hydrox. I don't know if those were, like, exactly, they were just like another kind of Oreo, or if they were one that was like a chocolate and a vanilla cookie. Actually, I have have no clue. It's Like, it's not a paradox either. It's just a case of uh, bad brain. I mean, I definitely have d- double the stuff. Like, uh, I'm not sure they say, well, we don't know what this stuff is in your gray matter scoots, but yeah, you, you got, and they say, holy cow, this might be, there's a do- there is some double stuff in there. And they say, yeah, I used to peel it with my bottom teeth. Uh, and they say, oh boy, we got to get the, we got to get the results of this test over in the Netherlands. Uh, and I said, have you heard from them about using my hair for the uh, weights and measures for, for the perfect line or whatever? 
So anyway, I don't know what a hydrax is. I, like, and I can feel people saying it, and I'll figure it out. I won't like. I'm sure you'll let me know. But I think it's a sandwich cookie. And actually, this podcast is a bit like a. It's a quadruple. It's it's a pillow. It's like stuffed like a pillow, full of fluff. We we fluffing and stuffing. But this, you know, we got the uh, the bottom, which is at the opening of the show, which we're in now, and then we have like vast meandering stuffing. So I guess we have a stuffed cookie instead. Well, I guess that's double stuff. That's stuff. We're stuffed. Maybe we could rebrand Hydrox. And it's too. I don't think you want any products anymore in X uh, that are for consumption. I mean, it's just me. But and it's nothing against X's. I love X's. Look at look. I mean, that's a podcasty letter. X's. It's almost like a word. Um. But so, what was I saying? So this one, you know, you have the intro, and then at the end of the show, when you're asleep, I say thank yous to some people. But in the middle is like this vast uh, meandering stuffing uh, where I just kind of like, and it's uh, there's a little bit of sugar in there, not a ton of sugar, but, you know, it's a little bit sweet. And the whole idea is uh, just like you look forward to having yourself a little treat. This is your bedtime treat. Now, this podcast doesn't work for everybody, I'll be honest with you. Uh, it takes a few tries for the people it does work for. If you're skeptical, why wouldn't you be? This guy's talking about Hydrax cookies, and it's supposed to be a sleep podcast. Uh, but the whole idea is to take your mind off stuff and lose you along the way. You say, you say well, I stopped, listening. I stopped trying to make sense of it when he kept repeating Hydrax. Because, uh, I mean, wouldn't you think, like, I guess, and again, I'm not trying to point fingers, but Hydro, like, it sounds like Hydro with an X, Sounds like a new water. Hey, Billy, where'd you get, what's that new water gun? Is that a super soaker? No, this is a Hydrax with three X's at the end. It's the newest thing in water guns. I say, okay, well, that makes sense. Hydro X, uh, Hydrox. Uh, they used to call it a good thing. We, we, good thing. Yeah, that's much. Uh, uh, so go ahead, you're here. This podcast doesn't make a lot of sense. It's a little bit silly, it's, but it's a little, it's a tiny bit sweet because I care, because I've been there sleepless. So I know what it feels like. And you deserve a good night's sleep. All of you. Um, so let's take a breath together. How's that sound? Just sink into your bed. This is a silly thing and it doesn't work for everybody. But I'm honored if I could help you fall asleep. I, you know, I have goofy stories. I got a goofy brain. And I get the best intentions. You know, I'm not perfect, but but I try to be here three times a week for you uh, to take your mind off of the uh, stuff and to be here like uh, so that you know I'm there uh, doing my best. Uh, and part of the reason is uh, I've been there, and part of the reason is I care. So all I was going to say is I'm glad you're here. I hope this helps you out. If it doesn't, I'm sorry, but I appreciate your time. And as I always say, I don't just hope, I yearn, I strive, and I work hard to help you fall asleep. So thanks for stopping by. Okay, so hey everybody. So this is where we're recapping kind of like uh, the story portion of Superdoll, this season of Superdoll Stories. And if you, like after you listen to this or something tomorrow, you can go over to sleepwithmepodcast.com slash patron for free, even if you're not a patron, and you'll be able to see the notes that I'm talking about, the PDFs. Uh, from my notes from these episodes, uh, just give me a chance to re re go through these and, and uh, like see, you know, it'd be very lulling and soothing. Uh, 
So we're talking about episode uh, two of the season. And uh, so I don't even, to be honest, it's been like uh, the podcast is moving so quickly. I don't even know what episode two is. So this will be interesting. So the first page of notes says, like, this is where I was brainstorming and reading stuff. So it says, ardent and possessed, consumed, seems to be purely in the moment, uh, focused on an object they desire. Past and future lose meaning uh, that they exist for us alone. Uh, extreme comes not cares not for public opinion. What others think, so it is him as a child or uh, something I can't read. And super team fighting off this villain. RK illusion versus illusion. Okay, so this is definitely about Mesmaro. I can already figure it out. So, magic shop where Mesmaro works, Mes works, or is there also a team of heroes? And then I decided Las Vegas, I put, uh, someone comes in, question mark, question mark. So, I'm still brain, like, blue skip, trying to figure out, hmm, what's this going to be about? Uh, maybe his father fell under the spell of, like, an MLM business, like, a, like, a, by a care, led by a charismatic leader. But one night I snuck in to uh, some sort of ceremony, so I'm trying to think, of, and then Ra-K-R-K-K uh, seduced them. Then I have a double slash mark, which just usually means I'm starting a new idea. That's like my note to myself. I think sometimes it means a new paragraph. I'm not sure what it means when you're using actual Robert's Rules of Writing or whatever it's called. So then I start a new idea. Deep in Las Vegas, there's a magic shop, and there's a back room where the greatest magicians in Las Vegas gather. And I mean, most people that listen know I'm kind of obsessed with magic. I don't see a lot of magic, but the, the whole idea of magicians and magic is very, I, f- I just find it ripe. Uh, it just excites me from, uh, I mean, I like being, I like the idea of magic and being deceived, but it's more the, uh, you know, if it's art and artifice, it just seems like such a, like a, like underneath the current runs deep. What do they say? Like that it's just like deep water, uh, for fiction or just stimulation being like, what does this magician do when they get home? What are their personal relationships? You know, what do magicians do when they're hanging? Like, so, so this is really ripe for me. Uh, the greatest magicians and skill and, and how they care for humanity. And maybe then I wrote a joke, like I was trying to write a joke. We should call the Magic Castle for backup. That's a big magic gathering spot in L.A. But they use the power of magic, a.k.a. F-I-G-H-T, our illusion with another. So they head over to to just secret it out or sort it out. That is when they see it as all fake, almost. But there's something deep and more... uh, uh, something challenging uh, that they don't see yet. So I'm still like, huh, what is it? Like, So there's going to be a team of super magicians or something. And this ended up not being exactly what it was, but you can see the raw material. So then it's like, okay, so Ms. Mara works in a shop. Uh, he's apprenticed to a mentalist. Uh, showy Ray, something Ray. Uh, tech, uh, like, t- teach uh, something he's been uh, selling... Oh, something, maybe there's some sort of technology getting sold to casinos, and there's a reveal that uh, Shame Ray, oh, Shame Ray, has been on the casinos, so the ticket sales would be affected. 
So it's just trying to sort out what, what ideas they had. And so what is Mesmero's conflict? Of course, he wants adventure. Is it a love of magic versus magic for money? Is his wife cheating on him and she wants some, uh, and he wants some spectacular answer? Uh, but in his case, uh, she's just not interested anymore. Uh, outside forces ruin him and his marriage versus inside forces ruin him and his marriage. So this is getting into the Harmon area of, of finding, like, what are, what are some of the themes? Magic is illusion versus magic is real. So those were kind of things. So then I made my little cross. So the surface world is outside forces are against me or, you know, causing me trouble, uh, uh, versus a subconscious or, or shadow world where Mesmero says, well, geez, I've been the, uh, uh, force of my own failure. And then the right side is magic is illusion versus the left side being magic is revealed. So then it's like, okay, like then I started trying to get some plot points. My success is delayed because of jealousy, etc. My illusions have failed because, uh, not as good as his. Ra uses his magic against him. Then I thought of the name for the magic shop, the Rabbit's Hats. Uh, so then my next page notes, okay, so this will be his big break. So then I said, okay, there's a good starting point. He knows about the secret super magicians because he works in the magic shop. Uh, and this is his big chance to bring a new idea or case to solve. So it says getting closer how it ended up. And finally he gets them to recognize his value and let, it, let him into the inner circle as equal. At the climax, the main team will have to join Ra or uh, something will happen. So Mesmero might take somebody's place. So I was trying to figure out a... So, so I was getting there. Struggling magician. So this is my first try, attempt at plotting it. Yeah, struggling magician in marriage uh, to be accepted. He wants to be accepted in the magic union. Super secret magic. Uh, make them recognize all your talent. Uh, then maybe he follows his wife, uh, loses her. Then he stumbles on a secret ceremony, uh, tries to pitch, pitch this to the magic peeps, uh, and we're, we're all coy, coy-like or something. He gets them involved, and they head over. Then there's a big boss battle, and they lose. And it's Mesmero's fault, which he accepts because his magic failed. Uh, then he returns uh, to dedicate himself to magic fully, and this is the part that they need him against outside conspiracy that was funding Ra. So uh, close to what we ended up with. So then let's just start plotting again, writing-wise. Uh, so we open in a dark basement. That was kind of like how I was opening a lot of the episodes at the beginning of the season. It was in basements, uh where Ms. Morrow, whose real name's Martin, is in the middle of doing a trick. He's practicing maybe a different voice, maybe two, maybe uh, faux slick and confused. Uh, then he makes a slight botch. Okay, and then I said, wait a second, he's prepping for an audition, and I was really excited about that. So then he recovers, and then he kind of goes to the audience for a volunteer to pick out, and a lovely lady, why don't you come down here? And then he may, maybe he makes, tries to make a joke. No, no, not you, sir. The woman behind you. Uh, uh, you, you that was looking at your phone. And then she kind of says, I, I got to get to work. Uh, so then we reveal that he's just in this basement of his house. Uh, and I was like, can we talk about this? You know, so we just kind of see a little bit of their relationship. Not, not, no. 
later and I won't be home tonight. Something about a podcast that got cut off. I don't know what that was. Uh, then they're in, then he's in a car practicing a speech. Uh, I need a sponsor to, from the magic circle. And seeing as you own the shop, like he's going to go to the magician magic shop, I think it would be a great, uh, no, no, no. I got to be a service to him. What's in it for him? He's Mrs. Mesmer talking about his mentor or possible mentor. Well, he just needs to see my pan, my talent, my potential. And there's a note. Mesmer is arguing with himself. Not good enough. You know. You are not good enough. You have no talent. Uh, and he pushes back against his critic. I have a deep abiding love of magic. I believe in the magician's code, the power of illusion to trigger joy in the hearts of an audience. And that's something he'll say later now. Uh, then he realizes he was so distracted he took a long turn when he's driving. He sees his wife in the car with somebody else, follows her. She drives into the suburbs, uh, Maybe a call comes in for some kind of magician showcase that he's late for. I didn't realize at this point. Maybe he's just late for his audition. He loses her for a second. He takes a few turns. He sees a line of cars watch, waiting to get into an old mansion or power station or something. Follows along, sneaks in, thinking it's like a swingers party since there's a lot of SUVs and vans. Uh, he sees something, but he's far back, uh, but he sees that the, someone's performing illusions. And then I'm trying to, then he was uh, doing, oh, so then this is like dialogue. Then he was doing the gibber, gibber, Gildeberger illusion. Wow. Successfully. Yes. And, uh, we need to get him in the magic circle. These are all just dialogue, possible dialogue with characters. Did you recognize him? He was wearing a raw mask. Uh, no problem. Do you have the address? It was like a cult or something. Uh, yeah, it's uh, just underground magic, fully immersive show. Sounds brilliant. So then Mesmero says, no, no, no. He wasn't performing illusion or magic. He, he was. Uh, he said they were like it was real, that he was performing miracles. And that's like a, it gets everybody's attention. Mic drop, I put and then the magicians are like, wait, wait, no, no, he must be stopped. Uh, they they say that in, in front of him, so he figures out that they're also the superheroes at this point. Do you think this is related to, this is a two magicians dialogue? It must be. This is a clue we've been looking for. I mean, this is all very, well, gee, I need to contact the proper, the mess kind of stares for a moment, uh, this guy, dude's talking, and it's true. You're the magic force. Your magic force is real. I've always wondered if this was your headquarters. Uh, where is the something? Some character. You must be the. He's trying to figure out the the mesmerist, and uh, you must be the jackrabbit. Uh, then you are the proper authorities. Mesmero says, and, and you're going to take care of it. Uh, but I want to help. Uh, I need to help. They say, listen, kid, you're not ready for it. Uh, can't bring a c- civilian along, sad face, and put them in harm's way. And if this is who we think it is, you're not ready. Uh, it won't be an illusion. There'll be real risks. And as uh, Mara says, well, it's not about that. So my wife was there, and my marriage isn't going well, and I don't know who she's there with. Uh, and then the magicians can relate, like they, they, you know, they, they have a looks on their face, like they've been through that. Like, she's with someone else, and they say, oh, well, yeah, that's happened to most of us. Uh, one magic beyond our understanding. And the two, they think for a minute, and they say, okay, Gunther won't like it, but okay, kid. 
at this point, like, uh, this is a note to myself, check how much time's left, and then we could do a, a brief setup of a uh, gathering of the magic for us. But if not, if we don't need to fill any time, just go straight to the middle of the action. And then I was trying to th- figure out that if it, if more is it, geez, are they tied up in Shame Ray? Is Martin uh, save everyone? Who is the magic for us? Gunther, the wild tamer. It put Phoebe Judge. I don't know if I figured out a character for Phoebe, but Judge. Uh, hair metal, Chris Angel type, uh, David Blaine type, uh, old school mesmer, mesmer, mesmerist. And then a semi-old school, David Copperfield. And I said, geez, do we allude to this as if they're trapped somewhere? So a lot of, sometimes these notes, like, I'm like, uh, they're a little bit more on point, like, and then I dull it down, you know. Like, should they be stuck? And then is there something? I was stuck in this shame ray idea uh, where Mesmaro's the only one who can, you know, rescue them. Strange, go by going on a strange uh, something about his wife, uh, like a public discussion of his powerlessness uh, with his wife and his magic. And then he has a chance to save the mesmerist. Somehow fails. Uh, or is transferred to second chance when he realizes he could help the magicians and keep the shame or power over Vegas. So then they tried doing another story circle, marriage and magic troubles, audition for the magic circle will fix everything. And where's my wife going? And then this old casino, uh, like where we see the raw cult, cult in the country or something. I can't remember writing. It tells people his audition. He realizes they're the magic force, uh, closing up shop, uh, to stop Ra, Mesmerist lost. You could save him or help us escape. By helping them escape, he takes the place of the Mesmerist, becomes Mesmero, returns to his basement alone as, uh, he was still not accepted in the magic circle. I don't know if that's how it ended up finishing. And then we cut to, to a few magicians. So then I was working on action, but I guess I didn't like, uh, magicians. So that the, the battle between the mesmerist and the henchpersons, Martin wanders on stage. Excuse me. Like he plays dumb. What are you doing? Oh, I'm looking for my wife. She, she's here somewhere. And, uh, that was it for the notes. Uh, so this is episode two, a little bit about it. Episode three. So episode three opens with supervillains, protagonists, to get people in uh, uh, something, innocent outlook, flow weakness, strength, effortlessness, fearless and brash, brazen, uncaring, infectious, infectious selfishness. Uh, we envy this... Uh, Something, wonder, gifted, talent, music, Mozart, flying piano. So I was trying to figure out some teams of uh, super super villains here. Uh, undefensive love, open, not rigid, also infective. So they thought, then those are the names of some super villains. The piano lab, piano lad, the acceptor, defenseless, just absorbs your energy, also hypnotic, can either drain you or confine you. Not to fight, also the energy subtle makes you know, makes you lower your defenses while the rest of the team comes in. I uh, can see your weaknesses and tell the rest of the team. 
the brash, uh, kind of the opposite of the undefensive, uh, bravado can carry the uh, day, make others fear and respect them. They have Mr. Fantasy, but I cross that out. Some sort of innocent doubt, uh, like who, me, who, us? We're, we're not antagonists. We're good, and so are some of you. And I said, like, like, what is happening here? Type person who comes in mid-battle, and uh, she can weave a tale. They still on this shame fixation uh, to extra shame or twist to them to try to sow doubt and win people to their side. So I was like, okay, these four are like Cold War protagonist type heroes going across Eastern Europe. So this is Omaha's backstory. Omaha's on the city council or something. And in one turn, then they're in the USA, just maybe just a European neighborhood or, or Eastern versus Eastern European. Like show up at the Ukrainian festival, double question mark, and Syracuse question mark, like they're book performers. Slow reveal of it. She's a child telling the story, double question mark. So then I tried a story circle and it didn't go anywhere. It was like a Ukraine or Ukrainian festival. Heroes show up uh, to discourage and move people away from tradition to uh, other people's views. Uh, love of past versus present. Uh, and then I was trying to figure out a different competing. Tradition versus progress. U.S. versus Soviet. Nostalgia versus reality. Children versus parents. Rebellion versus good citizens uh, versus settling for anything better or tolerable. Anti, uh, uh, let's tell them this, like uh, anti-people versus uh, need to escape for better life. Wanting acceptance uh, and dignity versus settling. Uh, promise of better life versus reality of better life. Uh, so that one's stuck. Uh, and then accepting outsiders versus... Uh, changing people like new visitors. So I was like, okay, power of better life versus reality of better life. Uh, and then acceptance versus rejection of uh, outside people. So preparing for Ukrainian festival. Then they said big sponsors, maybe like the USA and corporations will pay for the festival, scholarship funds, new park, if the heroes uh, can come and uh, perform. Uh, then maybe this, uh, no, this does, uh, Hernamram, uh, not align with the Ukrainian festival or already accepting, you know, other ideas, uh, like, uh, breakdancing and stuff. And then money talks, they promise to honor the Ukrainian values. Heroes absorb their culture to music, uh, eat food, maybe, uh, mother, uh, Calls uh, to uh, first step to perseverance, uh, outrage. This uh, uh, this is for profit or something. They must. Uh, you can't hurt the, the mother versus in a min minority of people dissent, but they're shamed. Yeah, then the heroes kind of use a, a staged thing to to save the day. Uh, dis, 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 uh, dissent loses, uh, maybe they return to the Ukraine. So this is like uh, the first run through. Uh, so we have the notes, Ukrainian festival, private basement. Is she a teen? Olga, Olga, like, Olga. Uh, so now she's trying to figure out Omaha's real name. 
Are they asking their future memories of Ukrainian festivals of past or favorite memories? Uh, everyone's taking part. So, again, it was in a basement. Uh, then they announced the sponsors via question about the budget. Great news. A certain set of golden arches has decided to step up along with the armed forces. As And then people both say, as a silent partner. And they say, wait, even more good news uh, to, uh, you know, the Bridge uh, the Bridge Street improvements that will be funded to host the festival and two college scholarships uh, to add to the raffles in exchange for what? Well, that's the best part. We just have to uh, add a spot to the lineup for these superheroes. Uh, fabulous foursome. They'll do they'll do a speech and then performance and they're amazing. And their mom says, those aren't uh, traditional Ukrainian performers. The festival's already been diluted. Breakdancing clowns. This is propaganda aimed at us. Uh, they don't care about our community. They care. And then someone interrupts. Uh, they care about the members of our community. And uh, she injects uh, something. Uh, the biggest uh, sales for the mother's... Oh, this is this festival is also the biggest sales for the mom's restaurant, but she's not going to participate. Uh, just to have a separate booth. The hero... Okay, so then I was thinking of, like, like the spoilers. Okay, like, uh, maybe the heroes ruin her restaurant. So then we get there. My restaurant will not participate. My dumplings will not be for sale. It'll be the heroes or me and... Uh, the park and the two scholarships, uh, they said they added, okay, whoa, I forgot. There's also all expenses paid for a trip for a family to Disneyland. And they just even for trying to figure out more to weigh on the performance. Uh, and then everyone's going against the mother saying, she's why can't you be reasonable, uh, to try to find some balance and wisdom for what's best for the community and its members. And we love you and your dumplings, and we need you to be a wise elder who respects our values and where we came from uh, and is respectful of tradition, you know, to help balance it back. So trying to win her over. And then I was trying to think of Omaha, like an arc for her powers, uh, either like is there some sort of insect or how is she... Like, how is her like powers discovered? Maybe her comments during a festival. She gets to the festival. She has to go get more frying oil or something. Or do we just skip to the performance? Or is it like uh, her and her mother arguing? Like a teenager needing to a teenager needing to escape uh, her mother's traditional ways. So then we're getting to the real emotional conflict. It took eleven pages and notes. Which in the end kind of drives everything. So it's her her being fed up with her mom's traditions, which ends up wrapping back around on her uh, to make her love tradition uh, over the kind of in-your-face USA values. Uh, uh, the mother has to make some sort of stand against the hero. So then it goes story circle again. So sick of this festival. This is Omaha and the restaurant and I have to work and... Uh, she's maybe she's talking to her uh, friends in the walls, which happens. And the college scholarship will be my way out. I can, uh, you know, go to insect school. Uh, her mother won't yield to the other adults, but she has to be able to convince her at le to at least try. Uh, daughter preaches a dream of uh, of having it all: college and working with her mom. Uh, 
if you like you're trying to get her mom to give in she says she's i'll go to um you know i'd go i'll, I'll live at home and go to school here and then trying to figure out the daughter's really like omaha's relationship with her superpowers then the show starts she's torn but the heroes are repurposing ukrainian values they really are charming they share their stories of hardship uh and the mother says no. She starts launching dumplings from the top of the house uh, floor, the restaurant, and yelling, insisting. And this triggers like some sort of bugs that Omaha gets involved in. And then the heroes ruin the restaurant. Uh, and then there's nothing for us here. Mother and daughter are now in agreement. And then it ends with Omaha saying, she said, I'm not going to forget about this. So then we're brainstorming again. Basement, Adults Decision, Ukrainian Festival, your first European Festival. Uh, one young woman, teenage, you could say she was a girl, but it just, this is like kind of working on dialogue. But one look and she's talking to something, narrating, and now her mother's talking. There'll be, this will be the last festival for us, making dumplings all night, uh, smiling and sweating at the table, selling mama's food while my classmates walk by and laugh. And then that was kind of triggered by memory of like when I was a busboy sometimes. I remember being a busboy and having to work the buffet table at people from uh, other high school's graduation parties. And I don't think anybody was laughing at me, but, you know, it, it, like, uh, like when you're serving people the same age as you sometimes, like especially when you're in high school or just graduating from high school. I don't know, the memories actually, like, a, like it wasn't a terrible memory, but it just, like, made me relate to Omaha. And then when I became an entomologist, uh, uh, she's fantasizing about the scholarship. That's right, two full scholarships. Uh, I guess that was the end of the notes. I guess everything else I just kind of winged. Uh, like, like, but once you have the kind of emotional pull, I think the rest wasn't, you know, what I was able to pull off. Okay, so here's four, episode four. Open and vulnerable, uh, concerned with others' welfare, aggressive and t tender versus withdrawn and taking less action, out of touch with feelings, uh, paranoid, others against them, uh, defeated, depressed. So this is, I think, from the Enneagram. Guilt, shame. Aggression, target like yourself. Middle also could be dependent, unrealistic demands, defensive, overreactive. So something leads him to be open and vulnerable. That leads him to others' welfare and tenderness down a path. So he's finally revealed a place uh, via some procedures where he's tender and helpful, but fighting his unrealistic, demanding, defensive, negative side. Uh, ways to lose his trust, betrayal, gossip can be demanding against uh, a combative, possessive, uncompromising, blaming others, uh, impatient, don't get no respect, blunt. Uh, so how does he become... Aquarius, and then I said, become an Aquarius-like figure. Uh, like, send them water, got involved. Uh, God, EA, destructive floods, floods and water. So I was thinking, like, open and vulnerable, cold and withdrawn, activist versus apathetic, uh, confident, defensive, dependent, demanding, unrealistic, uh, 
Water is dependent on containers, uh, but it cannot be contained. So I was trying to find a theme. Rivers for, for, for structure. Uh, water's uncaring and cold. I put in quotes. So is this work-related or love interest? Or who else could ha- he have a codependent relationship with? Uh, so I said, okay, floods are flooding water contained. He needs to be needed. Uh, keeps having a dream or desire uh, to be the box uh, with uh, with his finger. And then it's like, oh, wait, he could be his finger in the hole of the dam or whatever. Snowflow uh, moves uh, to career greatest, uh, like a repair person, emergency repairs or something. And this was all written way before all these rains here. This was a while ago. So the levees overwhelmed, even him and his powers, uh, people blame him. He becomes an actual uh, something for living above sea level, activist for living above sea level, water zone, and then, then double slash. Okay, or is it all story? Like he's telling a tale of holding a hole, and then the village... Uh, uh, something on him and then close with this, with accepting a job, uh, speaking to the entire damn team. So I was trying to find the theme again. Open and vulnerable versus cold and withdrawn. Paranoid. I need to be needed versus I desire respect, but I don't get it. And I try to story circle with that. So boy obsessed with levy, damn, uh, snow, uh, snow melt. Uh, moves to country, puts hole in the dam, uh, like a, whatever they're called, dike, uh, throws a drill in the bush, uh, gets drill for Christmas, uh, sits there, uh, sleeps there, people, something, people help, uh, he becomes a hero, then someone sees him or finds the drill, people angry, then he's shunned and abandoned, but still has to plug the hole. And thinks and figures out a hole uh, it could be blocked by debris or something or when the leaves are falling. Uh, the boy who made a hole in the levee. So that's what I had there. So then I went to another story circle. Okay, with water and snow, snow about to melt. He's living in the mountains with his parents. Uh, perfect. It's perfect. And I said, well, maybe move to Denmark, no parents, uh, lives with his uncle who's a woodworker, drills a hole. When do we reveal that? So plugs the hole in the dike. Uh, then, uh, plugs, like, is, uh, first he's honest about it with the first person he sees, uh, but they keep it a secret and go and get help. Uh, or do they come back? I, I was trying to figure out. And he's waiting for help. He's hungry. He's cold. It's his choice, but he decides to stay, tests a hole, or just uh, his knowledge, uh, historical sign. I, I, I don't know. Can he still wait? Uh, now he has a purpose. People see him cold and hungry. They bring him food and love, and he's a hero, maybe some shelter. The drill's found, and then the first person comes and tells on him. He's shunned, and... Uh, Something abandoned. Why tell children stories of dams? Uh, is this the risk? Question mark. Uh, 
Storm comes and he still must hold the hole all alone. Or is there a second hole? Uh, takes it out and leaves. Guess, guesses the debris will fill the hole. Use it, repairs the hole. Uh, this is when I realized my powers. Uh, and now I stand before you today. So I kind of had it, um, so they open with sweet open. Thank you, everyone. I'm glad you're all here. I want to tell you a story from my childhood. It might be familiar. It was to me as a boy, in fact. Uh, I've often wondered why I tell children such stories. Uh, for one seemed to stir the precarious, precocious curiosity instead of caution and fear. As most of you know, my parents were engineers, and they were working on the new California waterways. And the water, the water rubbed off on me. And uh, some, I remember swimming in those canals, and my mind could not fathom that all of this hot valley and the same water that was the snow in the mountains. And then, and I said, "Well, she's what happens with his parents?" Uh, and he says he was sent to live in a small town in the Netherlands. Uh, then it was like uh, uh, the Meuse River. Insisting on calling it the Muse, M-E-U-S-E, I think is a real name. It's a small village protected from the river by a dike, and it was uh, had to be reinforced, but it never, you know, it was ancient and never had failed the village. 500 years old, and he was captivated by that. Uh, and there was this... Uh, Something on the seaside past. I mean, what I meant was the water slide. And I could just stand out oh, because he could be at eye level with the water behind the dike. And, like, uh, he just worked at the silent. You know, he just captured his imagination just a few feet away, but held a bay by this wall. And then one day, uh, the childhood, uh, that childhood story drew me a little too much. So I decided to put a hole in it, uh, uh, what a precocious child of my age did. I went to my uncle's workshop and I took out one of his drills and uh, uh, one of those old-fashioned ones with the U-joints you see in the cartoons, and I drilled a hole and at first nothing happened. And his water paused, uh, even in disbelief. Uh, for 500 years, this wall had prevented its escape. Uh, our own explanation and uh, something to the world something but then as the water dripped out it became a flow and then a spray and i feared i'd taken on the power of a god without the wisdom or ability uh, to undo my deed so i threw the drill in a bush and i plugged the hole with my finger and a woman came by while still in that initial panic and i told her what i had done and she gave me a curious look and then hurried off saying she would get help uh, after she left, it felt like forever as my instincts uh, kicked in. Social survival, I thought about running away, letting the water flow. And then a crowd got there. And I tested to remove my hand, but it, was, it wasn't a good idea. So I knew it would damage the integrity of the wall. The leak had to be, because uh, uh, there was even leaks forming at the edges of my hand. Then a person ran down the path, and they were saying they were there to help, uh, but they didn't say anything about my guilt. Uh, and they had a pump, so we thought we could pump out the water, but uh, that didn't work. Uh, but I did have an idea to seal my hand against the hole. And then others arrived and clambered up the wall, and we'd 
did that, and uh, my hand was suctioned to the wall, keeping it uh, at water at bay. And I was showered with attention and questions and kindness, and no one knew that I had made the hole. And they brought me blankets, read me books, gave me sweets and kisses, and uh, my forehead and cheeks, a few of my lips. And then a storm came, and they built a shelter around me. Uh, and then it got, you know, more and more intense, and I just held my position, and then the storm broke, and everybody came back to gather around me and have a picnic, and that's when someone, a little, another precocious little boy found the uh, drill, and people quickly figured it out, and, uh, and then the man that knew about it, uh, told, you know, said, hey, yeah, I know what you, what happened, and then everyone left, and uh, I was left alone and hungry, and my hand began to ache and uh, beated with my heart. Uh, but I was stuck, and I didn't know what to do. And then I just thought, she said, I don't even care about this village. Uh, and then I realized uh, that something outside me got real quiet. In between the drops of rain... I watched uh, the debris flowing down the river, and then I realized what I would do. So that was the end of that one. I kind of figured out the story from there. And let's cover one more. Let's do five. Okay, so five, it says, create need for anxiety, discontent, tension, lack, picking at a... things, friend to critic, causes confusion and anxiety... Uh, make them aware when you're, um, meet, uh, as they turn to one who could provide strength or comfort, self-doubt, fragile egos, uh, cover self-doubt and confusion. Appearance is not reality. Mirror to inner emptiness, uh, that'll fill the gap. Cupid's arrow. So then I was like, okay, Cupid's arrow. Uh, I think I was reading a story. This is from something I was reading. Creates uh, pain in a hole. And like, and then that's filled with love, you know, or a crush or whatever. So I was like, okay, adventure versus boredom, small town versus big city. Uh, add, adds awaken need and discontent and then offer a collective adventure, uh, or back to ideals that we'd given up as a child. Sounds like gravity and Halloween. How is she opening up a need wound in someone else? Uh, her parents, her lover? I need to use people's weakness to get love versus I deserve love. So I was trying to figure out the theme there. Gravity. How does this play in somehow? Life is serious business. Is it win and lose versus uh, how can life be a fun masquerade? Or relationships are fun versus relationships are serious. Uh, some play on gravity and Cupid, I put. Uh, win love versus deserve love, and then heaviness, very serious, versus lightness, like Cupid flying. Sounds like must win love versus deserve love, serious versus light, like Cupid. Set against Halloween somehow, like costume contest with her father. Uh, one thing they really shared, uh, every year they did it together against the ups and downs of uh, her life and society. Uh, so yearly costume contest, and she wants to win, or dad wants to win, or dad does not want to do it anymore, or she does not want to do it anymore. Contest was canceled, 
uh, I don't like the winning idea. I think this is a no for myself. So costume party, costume event, masquerade ball, fundraiser. Then I have a quote from my father. always told me love was a serious business and it took a lot of work to win at love. Uh, but we we all know there are no winners and losers at love. Uh, oh, wait, that's not true. So what if they hold the contest? What if they put on a huge ball or a small contest for others? Like they're rich and they put on the contest for a nearby library. And one year they never had a real prize, but one year uh, due to current events, uh, that's like the de-harshifying. Uh, a benefactor comes forward, uh, someone who saved the library with money and offers huge prizes for the top three of the contests, but the demons are rift. And then I did a story. So yearly contest, a little interest. Uh, uh, their communities divided. Divided. Benefactor steps up the prize. Her dad uh, debate in her debate uh, work and seriousness of the contest. Uh, I can work at being letting go and having fun. Uh, Make the contest, uh, make this the most fun contest, but then I was still not happy to, like, I put, what is conflict? Uh, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Uh, somehow in, in some sort of anti-gravity dance comes up, so, and then that's all I had for that story circle. So that's brainstorming conflicts. Conflicts, uh, something between her and dad, town infighting. Rich versus poor, lack of resources, poor versus former rich in contest, or is this contest open to everyone? Her own feelings about love and effort and seriousness, uh, contrast with the only solution to uh, some sort of late dis disagreement contest is the lightness of the dance. And it's like slow dance to stairway to heaven, uh, then she uses her powers, uh, costume enemies, uh, all slow dance. Uh, she's always used her powers uh, to ease the dark moods of her and her father, maybe. Uh, so then I tried to work it. So I said, uh, uh, so then I tried to work on the story. So her and her father run this yearly char charity masquerade ball. Used to be for the wealthy to raise money for others within the town. Wealth has been lost. Uh, two big families. At first, I was like, I'm not using the capulets or throws of arguing and a benefactor. So instead of a masquerade ball for charity, it's a charity masquerade ball. Got to change uh, charity to something more palatable, I put, with a reverse entry fee. So then I liked that idea. I put a block around it of water credits and prizes for the top three. What about the fighting and then, and, uh, you know, you know, no arguing, you lose your water credits and forfeit any prizes. Could we use this for a save our town? Like, uh, like, is there another ball or you lose your water credits or can you increase the water credits? Uh, yes, to a monthly allotment instead of a set amount. Uh, but the top three prizes are very big to offset any w water credits comparatively, which leads to the late conflict uh, where she does something or dad has to fix it and fails. And I said, late conflict must set her against her dad or her feelings about him somehow. Like, not sure. His solution is serious, like dictator. 
and she must stand up and reject him along with his lightness, and that somehow leads back to seriousness. So then I tried another story, Circle Town Split, everyone uh, short on resources, time's coming for the Halloween ball. Dad says no way, she says yes. Finds a benefactor that will help save their town and their people, or at least win their love. Uh, benefactor must have some rules that require them to overcome the conflict or some tough love rule somehow. Uh, weight fun, this should be, we could use it... Uh, for peace and love uh, between them? Or does it? Uh, does she first use gravity to stop trouble, uh, which makes uh, her realize like the lightness? Or does she find a semi for its fun by my powers uh, when... Uh, we put serious aside. So something about her finding lightness. Uh, she makes promise to her dad never to use the powers on him. But then she has to oppose the dad with a light touch to a serious one. Like he says, this is our chance. Uh, when the guard is down, to, you know, to get rid of all the bit, like uh, antagonists in town. Uh, her use of her powers, or does her father do something, uh, to, or must he act that cannot be reversed? Does he do something that can't be reversed? Her bond is broken, but he still loves her. Uh, she takes over, protecting the town from itself, and is revealed as a person with powers, a serious kind of love. Uh, then they decided to do as a podcast, uh, Mosaic Memories, uh, uh, guest, uh, somewhat anonymous. I'm going to try after, uh, let's politely say the decentralization of government. You grew up in a spot, uh, uh, some of us in the U.S. know for its city states. I did, I did. And we're more of a town as a part of the Peachtree affiliated zone. And the reason I asked you to be on a show was not, uh, for a big history lesson, but a small one, a seasonal one, uh, yeah, tell us about the Halloweens of your childhood. Well, my daddy always said they took Halloween seriously, and he has pictures of us before the fall, you know, going trick-or-treating, and now my daddy, he was the leader of our town, uh, something working. But he was uh, uh, dedicated uh, every year. Oh, the farms were working then. And he would hold a Halloween ball with whatever extra he could scrounge up, candy for the kids, punch, people would play music, and it was all very fun. And my father saw it uh, in a much more serious way. I think I felt it was part of uh, keeping the town unified and full of hope in the future. But as supplies got tighter, people in the town got stressed, and uh, they uh, joined either two cooperatives that were competing with one another. And they were trying, you know, they created a distance between the two groups. Uh, so there's much uh, trouble and uh, sometimes it played out at the ball. And so the next year, the, the father decided not to have it. And I begged him because I love the balls and he refused. So it was too much, too risky. So then they say, well, what did you at first? I was childish. But then he told me, uh, this is serious. We don't have time for trivial things. So I made my efforts about bringing the town back together and what could counteract the influence of the cooperatives and what what or who could, uh, and then said a more powerful group could, uh, of course, uh, 
But even then, that power would have to trickle down water. Uh, you have water allotments and then luxury rations and prizes and then prizes. And at what cost did these come with? Uh, that's a great question. Peace and vitality. I think I meant uh, what was the cost of the expectation of the benefactor of the credits? And she just ignores that question. Oh, the prizes would be the uh, for best costume, top three, age groups, and there's water credits and uh, rations for every community, you know, who peacefully attended, and unity. And there's really weekly allotments uh, for not causing any trouble. And they made the co- cooperatives furious, uh, but they were toothless. You know, they couldn't do anything better. Uh, and our town was small, uh, so too small for the cooperatives to worry about it. And that was so that was the end of the notes for that. So that's the end of the run for me. We'll, we'll finish up running through these notes next week, and then we'll start our new, new series, hopefully. Uh, good night. I want to thank uh, everybody supporting the show over on Patreon. Marissa, Olivia, Patrick, thank you and good night. Uh, Jasmine, Charles, and Amy, thank you and good night. Uh, thanks and good night to Nancy S. and Hallie M. and Sally W., thank you and good night. Uh, Jamie G., Melanie A., and Kelly A., thanks and good night. Denise D., Lee, uh, and Eric, thanks and good night. Uh, Diane L, Cindy K, and Lisa P, thanks and good night. Uh, I wrestled Bear once, uh, thanks and good night. Jeff M, Lisa M, Ashley M, Triple M, so thanks and good night. Tristan C, Carol B, and Beverly F, thank you and good night. Uh, Melissa B, Lauren C, and Stephanie W, thank you and good night. Uh, Neil M, Sarah O, Stacy S, thanks and good night. Uh, Hannah H, uh, Chris R, Jessica D, thanks and good night. Uh, Catherine C, Allie B, Jane F, thank you and good night. Uh, Dan G, Sam M, and Stephanie C, thanks and good night. Thanks and good night to uh, Cynthia K, Bailey M, and Desiree, thank you. Princess M, Scott C, and David K, thanks and good night. Albert W, Marsha, and Lee, or Leah, Leah, thanks, sorry, thanks and good night, Leah. Uh, Lucy B, Anne Marie, and Carol, thanks and good night. Uh, Justin L, Hannah C, and Kate F, thank you and good night. Uh, Lord B to the SCR, Andy P, and Maya M, thank you and good night. Uh, Christy D, Karen B, and Annika, thank you and good night. Uh, Susan L, Susie L, and Jennifer K, thanks and good night. Haley Y, April M, and Ben H, thank you and good night. Uh, Hannah, Steve L, and Maggie D, thanks and good night. Mallory H, uh, Nancy P, and Shana R, thanks and good night. Uh, Tracy, Amy, and Anna, thank you and good night. Kelly, uh, Tim, and Joseph, thanks and good night. Uh, Tamara, Lisa, and David, thank you and good night. Ozzy, uh, Sadie, and uh, Will, thanks and good night. Uh, Laura, Rohan, and Caden, thank you and good night. 
Uh, Kristen, Robert, and Kate, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, thanks and good night to Alice and Renee and Aaron. Uh, thanks and good night to Mary, uh, to Sarah, and to Dan. Uh, thank you and good night to Shauna and David and Megan. Uh, thank you and good night to Jane and Patricia and Albertina. Uh, thanks and good night to Chris and Alexandria and Juno. Uh, Elliot, thanks and good night. And Sarah and Jeannie, thank you and good night. Uh, Levi, Evan and Jay, thanks and good night. Norman, Emerald and Jean, Jen, Jen with two M's, thanks and good night. Uh, Brendan, uh, Drew and Sam, thanks and good night. Uh, Nicole, Tiffany, and Al- Al- Angelica, thank you, and good night. Christy, JT, and Laurelie, thanks, and good night. And thanks, and good night to Tara. Thanks, uh, everybody, for supporting the show, and good night.